How did the Packers look in joint practices with the New Orleans Saints? We get our first opponent scouting report of the 2022 season. Our pal Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints was at joint practices, and he gives us a look inside this Packers team from the eyes of an opponent. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone that makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Ross Jackson is on the show today from Green Bay, um, and he has awesome insight on the Saints, on the Packers. And I think he is going to give us a chance to get a view of this team. You hear me talk about this team a lot. Right. And I'm looking at it from the perspective of the Packers, whereas Ross is looking at the Packers from the perspective of an opponent. And so he's going to look at things differently. He comes with different preconceived notions, some good, some bad, you know, to be sure, same way I do. And I look at the Saints with some preconceived notions, some good, some bad, some misguided. We just don't come with the full picture. And so you just get to work with what you see. And I think that sometimes can can eliminate some of the the extraneous stuff the baggage, and cut to the core of what is actually going on on the field, which is a really important thing to do. Before we get there, an interesting thing happened. By the way, the Packers claimed Travis Fulgham off of waivers from the Denver Broncos. He posted a kind of cryptic Instagram about it. Um, Interesting, given the comments from Aaron Rodgers about a young group of receivers trying to, to find itself. Interesting, given the bounce back performance from the receivers on Wednesday, by all accounts, Um, and interesting, given this come to Jesus meeting that was apparently had where Aaron Rodgers and the quarterbacks went over some details with the receivers. And, And you wonder why this doesn't happen more, frankly. Hey, let's let's watch the cut ups together. And you watch the tape as a team and you watch the tape as a position group, but you wonder why more isn't done in the meeting rooms quarterback and receiver, offensive line and running backs to try and get everyone understanding these are the techniques, these are the the little nuances, and especially with quarterbacks and receivers. I need you to run this route this way. I mean, you, you watch the, the QB School, the great YouTube series that, that J.T. O'Sullivan does, former Packers legend, J.T. O'Sullivan. And he, he talks about, okay, this is normally how this is taught But in the room, they could be asking for something different or the quarterback could like it this way. And that is great insight. Dan Orlovsky did a great breakdown of uh, a Romeo Dobbs route. And so, okay, this is how he ran it. It's how it's taught, but it may not be how Aaron Rodgers wants it specifically. Now, it was a Jordan Love throw, so you never know. But these sorts of of teaching moments 
are really cool. They're really important. And I think they can be really impactful that they can, they can have a meaningful difference on how these guys develop because Rogers has, as we talked about yesterday, done the carrot and the stick. And at a certain point, it's really just about finding the the most efficient way to get these guys to do what you want them to do and to get on the same page about what expectations are. And some of it is simple. Asked the official on the sideline, are you eligible? You see receivers, they turn to the official and they point their hand out. They are asking the official, am I lined up properly? And sometimes you see receivers reposition because the ref will go, no, you're covering the, the whether it's a, a slot or a tight end or whatever. You have to make sure that these things are done the right way. I guess in a slot, it would be, he'd be up. Anyway, not the point. You you check with the official. That's a little detail, but it's and it's something you do every play, but it's something you have to do every play so that you don't have penalties in these games or in these practices where you're hurting your team. And Matt LaFleur, I thought, had a great line. He said, you, you can't make the same mistake twice in the NFL. We don't have time for it. The teams are too good. It'll get you beat. That's so dead on. So these rookies, they don't have time to be rookies for long. And I've always said, by about Halloween, not rookies anymore. Now you're, now you're just part of the team. So I don't, I don't want to read too much into someone like Travis Fulgham's arrival um, as, oh, that means Dobbs and Watson, this is not good for them, or it's not good for Samori Toure or, or Juwan Winfrey or Amari Rodgers or anything like that. I think the Packers saw an opportunity to bring a player who had familiarity with his offense back, had familiarity with Aaron Rodgers back, who, who had a nice little stretch with the Philadelphia Eagles back and give him a chance to make this team, to make this practice squad. You get someone in the building, maybe you have a better chance of keeping them in the building. You still need to build out not just your 53, but your practice squad as well. Yes, we can put to bed the questions about whether or not Sammy Watkins is going to make the team. If he's healthy, he's going to be on the team. The question then becomes, how many do you keep? Because I've already done it. I think there's five locks not named Sammy Watkins. So now we're at six. Samori Toure is starting to make big-time plays. Had a 50-yard rainbow touchdown from Jordan Love in, in joint practices yesterday. He seems to be making an impact and is a special teams player. It might come down to two spots for one player. On the other hand, and this is something that Wendell Ferreira uh, who is uh, a longtime follower and someone who I think does a good job. He actually covers the team now. Brought up, and that is, well, if Toure is a better player than Tyler Davis, he should be on the team. Hang the idea that you need four tight ends. You can find a tight end who can play replacement level football like Davis. And maybe they did it. Maybe they got the, the guy from Buffalo, Nate Becker. Maybe it's Alizé Mack. You can find guys like that. It'd be nice to have someone like Toure, especially when Winfrey and Toure are both guys who can help you on special teams. Maybe the arrival of someone like Fulgham makes Winfrey obsolete because Winfrey has a little more experience than Toure. Um, Fulgham has a little bit more experience than Winfrey. 
And now, okay, now it makes Winfrey over here on the side. And Fulgham will block. He will block. So this, this whole receiver room just got more interesting. They had a bounce back performance. Sammy Watkins continues to stack good practices. I think he's very clearly now in that that group of start. I you know I don't think it's going to be one group of starters because as we talked about, even if Sammy Watkins is a starter, Al Lazard is going to be in the slot a bunch. You still need another outside receiver. That's going to be Romeo Dobbs for now. We'll see what Christian Watson can do. We'll see what Juwan Winfrey can do. Samori Toure and now Travis Fulgham. It it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. And these joint practices are a big deal. Toure making plays in competitive periods in two minute. That's a big deal. What these guys do on Friday is going to be a big deal. And this is the, the most competitive spot on the roster. It's the most fun spot to talk about. It's the, t- it's the spot that Packer fans love to talk about every year. Isn't this fun? Yes, it is. All right, we're going to get to Ross Jackson right after this. But before we do that, let's talk about LinkedIn. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team, just like the Packers need the right people on their team. You need the right people to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 800 million People, simple tools, tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality leads and candidates. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. However, you play fantasy football, get the latest NFL fantasy draft tips. Some people do a snake draft, some people do an auction draft, some people do daily fantasy. Get your draft tips from Locked on Fantasy Football and Locked on Dynasty. Plus, starting August 22nd, we're bringing you daily top 10 lists for Fantasy Draft Week. Locked on Fantasy Football and Locked on Dynasty, available on the YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Joining me now from Green Bay, after watching the Packers and the Saints have joint practices, only one kind of scuffle, which happened on Wednesday. Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, and our good friend, Ross Uh, It is great to be with you. Great to have your insight here. Great to have that beautiful picture of Green Bay behind you for those of uh, of you watching on YouTube. Uh, Shout out whatever local artist did that. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm so excited to do this because this is like our opponent shows where we get to do a breakdown um, because you actually get to watch the Packers from the lens of an opponent, even though, you know, as Packers Saints preseason game, no one really cares about the outcome. I get to get your scouting report on Green Bay. So let's let's talk about what stood out to you from these joint practices as you're looking at it from a Saints side watching the Packers players. Yeah, look, the, the headline of this joint practice session was defense, 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 right? Like the New Orleans Saints defense and the Green Bay Packers defense, two of the best ones in the league. New Orleans Saints have been there. The Green Bay Packers have been on the cusp of that. But I got to tell you, 
That defense looks really, really good this year. And they present, presented a really nice challenge to kind of change of pace for the New Orleans Saints, too, with that 34, that sort of 3-4 uh, front, which, you know, the New Orleans Saints don't get to practice against that because the Saints are kind of a multiple front, but for the most part are, you know, four down linemen and, and two linebackers and five defensive backs. They're in a 4-2-5, like nickel look for 80% of the time because they've shifted ways with the rest of the NFL. So I think that that, and then the, the, the other thing that's really kind of nice to see from the Packers perspective that I think was beneficial for new Orleans, but I think it's going to actually be really good for the Packers going into 2022 is the amount of 21 personnel they'll use as well. Those two running back sets and things like that, like the new Orleans saints have been built in an NFC South to have a defense that's used to, you know, going up against last year was Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. Now it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones in whatever order, you know, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, and DJ Moore, right? Like it's, it's, it's these big, you know, three wide receiver sets. And then now all of a sudden they go up against a team that's able to have those if they want them, but can also go out there in a 21 set or a 12 set with two running backs or two tight ends. So those things really stood out, but obviously the defense was the thing that really kind of headlines the entire event of the joint practices thus far. And you missed the Falcons with Julio Jones, uh, Muhammad Sanu, and oh, that's right, that's right. That's that's not what the Falcons are anymore. Uh, they don't. They don't. Did they have one? Well, okay, Drake London, Kyle Drake Pitts, London. probably a receiver, but but they're working on it. Isn't it cute? Those Falcons. It's so cute. They're they're they're, they're really trying over there. Uh, I, I love that you brought up the the two back set because Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. also brought it up. Said he thought those guys could each catch catch fifty passes, which sounded like a lot. I think to some people, when then you look at it last year and you realize Aaron Jones was second on the team in targets, he had he already had 50 catches last year, and that AJ Dillon was, I believe, like 13 or 15 catches away from 50. So if he's on the field 15% more, 20% more, like the one catch a game, oh. that, that's easy work that that's going to happen. Um, the, the thing that you, you brought up, the defense part of this, mm-hmm. we haven't had a chance in a game to see this defense since the 49er playoff game when we went, wait, oh my God, like this defense at its best can be really, really good. Um, the pass rush, the speed, all of that seems to be in place. When 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 you watch this Packers defense, what was it in terms of whatever they were doing, um, whether it was winning, whether it was speed, what what was standing out to you when you watched that, that way you were like, oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, the pass rush was definitely a big part of it. And it was speed off the edge in particular. Look, the New Orleans Saints had, they were down Ryan Ramchick and Landon Young going into this one. That's a couple of their tackles going into Wednesday's uh, practice. And then eventually Trevor Penning ended up leaving with an injury. Uh, James Hurst ended up leaving a couple of plays later with an injury. So those are their, effectively, they're starting two left tackles there or the guys that are competing for a left tackle spot. And the guy that was in at right tackle, or that ended up coming in at left tackle after that, Sage Doxeter, he ended up leaving. But don't don't let that fool you. Like even before that, the Packers were winning off the edge. Like you're going to hear a lot about the injuries that came from the tackle position, and 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 there were for the New Orleans Saints throughout Wednesday's practice in particular. But they were also winning the those edge rushers on Tuesday when those guys were healthy, and early on Wednesday before they were hurt. So I, I think that the speed off the edge has been really really impressive. The second level pressure was also uh, really mm. impressive. Ended up creating some opportunities for some pass rushers there. Uh, I know uh, Ryan Ramchick got called on a holding penalty uh, yesterday, which he doesn't commit a lot of those or on Tuesday, but 
he had to <laughs> in the situation that he was put in. I mean, they've done a good job creating conflict and, and keep in mind too, that these are joint practices in preseason off season. Like they're not even showing the whole package yet. And just what, you know, that Packers defense is going to look like. So even in the sort of quote unquote vanilla looks that they're getting throughout all of this, they're still impactful and they're still, um, you know, creating disruption uh, off the edge. And that was against that holding call you mentioned was against Quay Walker, who is not strictly speaking a not pass, a pass rusher. rusher. Right. Um, and Joe Barry has shown some of those interesting looks where he's going to go three off ball linebackers and put one of them on the edge that sort of old school Sam backer and mm-hmm. let him go hunt. If, if that is what the call is on the field. So you mentioned that this was a defensive practice, or at least they dominated in these, in these uh, joint settings. Okay. Let me flip the perspective then from Packers to saints and, mm-hmm. and look at, okay. Saints defense, which was by all accounts, awesome against this Packers offense. And if you're a Packers fan, you might be going, well, uh, we don't have any receivers and we don't know what's going on with the offensive line because Elton Jenkins is, although he's back practicing was not taking part in these joint sessions and David right. Bakhtiari TBD. We don't, we don't right. really know what's going yeah. on there. How much of the Saints defense being great was the Saints defense being great versus the Packers offense that couldn't get out of its own way. We heard about the pre-snap penalties and the drops and some mm-hmm. of the miscues that they had too. Yeah, I think that you know you have to give both of these defenses credit because there were those pre-snap penalties over on the Saints offensive side as well, as well as some drop passes and things like that. Like that's just part of joint practices and all that. But in any case, right, like defenses. And their ability to be able to take advantage of mistakes, that's part of the skill set of what defenses do. That's something I saw the Packers defense do really well. Something I saw the Saints defense do really well. You had guys like Marcus May walking away with interceptions. You had, you know, a situation to where during two-minute drills on Wednesday, Paulson Adebo almost came up with an interception in, uh, it was a third and long from Aaron Rodgers who just put a put a pass behind uh, a receiver and Paul Sadiba literally hit him in the hands. A former wide receiver did not look like a former wide receiver all of a sudden because it just bounced right off his hands and went through. And then all of us, in terms of New Orleans media, we're looking at each other saying, well, if you give Aaron Rodgers another chance, this one's going in the end zone. Fourth and 10 doesn't matter. Like this one's probably going in the end zone. You gave 12 another chance. And then you end up with a sack, the play right after that by Malcolm Roach. And so I think that, you know, the, the idea here is that you have to take advantage of opportunities. You have to take advantage of mistakes. If you can't do that, you're not going to win football games on Sundays. And both of these defenses show that they have the capacity and they have the wherewithal and understanding situationally game to game to be able to take advantage of those mistakes that opposing offenses are making. Okay. I'm going to make some Packer fans sad now. Okay. You ready? <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Just, I'm going to give you like, I'm going to put one minute on the clock here, maybe two and make fans Packer fans sad that they don't have Chris Olave because it sounded like <laughs> on Wednesday he, he was, was doing some stuff. So tell me about, tell me about Olave. I, I don't know if you saw my, uh, my, my players to watch piece going into Wednesday from over at USA today. But one of the things that I talked I about was Chris Olave being the apple of Packers fans eyes, but now the explosive weapon of the new Orleans saints. And so I understand very much like the dichotomy in terms of, you know, what Chris Olave used to be to Packers fans versus what he is in this situation where he's going against <laughs> those Green Bay Packers, that Green Bay Packers <laughs> offense. I think that the thing that's so impressive about Chris Olave and that so many Packers fans and yourself were right about is that his speed is something that, of course, makes him a big-time field stretcher in deep threat, but it's not limited to just what he can do 20, 30 yards away from the line of scrimmage. This guy is impactful in the short and intermediate range as well. And you can utilize long speed in a straight line, but you can also utilize long speed crossing the field and crossing the middle 
of the field. Uh, you know, the, you, I mean, Devontae Adams used to do this all the time, right? To where you could just create natural separation by moving laterally very quickly, right? Like it's a very simple concept, but Chris Olave does that so extraordinarily well. And then so when you're drawing number one coverage away from Chris Olave with Michael Thomas being there, healthy, looking good, drawing that, you know, Jair Alexander matchup, which was a very fun matchup to watch all week. You know, you get to see the two speed guys go at it uh, you know, from the flanker spot on the opposite side when it comes to Chris Olave and Eric Stokes. And that was a fun battle to watch as well. But Chris Olave often won that battle when the quarterback was able to deliver the ball, right? That's where pass rush and secondary symbiosis really comes into play. It doesn't matter if you can't cover the receiver, if the quarterback can't throw the damn ball. And that's oftentimes what would happen throughout these practices. But Chris Olave is certainly something else. The footwork is mesmerizing off the line of scrimmage. It's hard to get a hand on him. He's taken so much progress too about how to uh, be able to fight through that contact when you can get a hand on him. That's the next piece of his game that he wants to involve, uh, wants to evolve. And he's done some, He's made some strides in it so far. And then there are other plays where he gets shut down on line of scrimmage. Like that happens. That's, that's part of being in the NFL. And so I think that, you know, there's sort of this wide margin of his skill set that I think many people just kind of overthought going through the draft process. And I think, you know, thankfully the saints get to be the benefactor of that. Uh, and, you know, gratefully, you know, I get to watch him every Sunday because of it. I was such a big fan of Chris Olave's coming into the draft. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that he is going to be somebody that adds another dimension to, to the New Orleans Saints that we haven't seen in quite some time beyond just the field stretching deep threat that he absolutely can be. Okay, that's enough. That was way more than, than one minute. I, you, know, you said or two. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to redeem yourself, okay? <laughs> How much of... The Romeo Dobbs hype train had you heard about going into the week and how do you feel after watching him do some so have sort of an up and down set of practices um, the last couple of days. So my dream draft going into the 2022 NFL draft for the Saints was to double up at wide receiver and my sort of I guess ideal pairing was walking away with Chris Olave in the first round and then Romeo Dobbs in a later round. I love what Romeo Dobbs does. Eric Ezekonmo was on that list for me as well, but Dobbs is just somebody that is just so dynamic, right? You can do anything with this guy. You can ask him to do anything, and he's willing to do anything. He's and a lobby light. I really, I said that yeah. before the draft. He's a lobby light with a lot more size, right? Yeah. So you know, you can also get him involved in the run game. That keeps him on the field a little bit more, and, and things like that. So you know, those are just like the little bitty logistics that I think maybe only you and I get excited about. Like, oh, you look at that <laughs> wide receiver blocking downfield. Like, oh, he's gonna get so many snaps. Matt Lafleur gets like right. gets excited about that too. Trust me. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I love what Romeo Dubs does. Uh, I was really excited getting to you know see him going into uh, this practice. He was oftentimes targeted, oftentimes came up with big catches. He had a huge catch down the sideline on CJ Gardner Johnson that could have been called a, a pass breakup. I'm glad that they didn't call it a pass breakup because I think it's just more entertaining that way, you know, in terms of like keeping the fans entertained during a joint practice and all. But I, I thought that he performed extraordinarily well. And you're right. I mean, just like Chris Olave, there's so many ways that he can impact the game at all three levels. He's got really good long speed, but his size is hard to pass up on as well, hard to ignore and everything. And, and maybe it's not necessarily his size, but his the way that he handles himself, the way that he distributes himself uh, is, is pretty impressive. And I mean, he's just one of those guys that like is really kind, super, super kind hearted when you speak to him and everything like that. But out on the football field, he's a dog and he's a lot of fun to watch. He does have that dog in him for sure. Even if he is a, a shy guy, it, it, it is so funny that those two guys got to share a field, although they often didn't share a field, right? Because just of the way the logistics right. work, but 
the, the acceleration and the smooth way they move, mm-hmm. Olave and Dobbs, they're, they're so good getting vertical and creating down the field, but they don't look like they're running fast. And then all no. of a sudden they're just by you. And like Quentin Meeks learned that the hard way on an out and up. It wasn't yep. even a great route from Dobbs, but he's just by him yep. <laughs> because he just can accelerate that way. So he's, you know, he's got some things to clean up for sure, but they, they love him. Rogers loves him despite some of the criticisms that he's offered. I think he, I think he does that because he cares and because he sees that, that there's real talent there. So, you know, the Packers, I, I have a bit about his jacket size in the hall of fame because it's fun <laughs> to do those bits. Um, but it's really exciting to get to see him last thing here, Ross, um, especially as an, from an opponent standpoint, I think this is a, a fun way to, to get into this topic because fans certainly of the show are sick of hearing me talk about Jordan love <laughs> in uh, my understanding is both actually both days of the red zone practices. He looked pretty good punctuated on, with a Wednesday day where he was awesome and then had a great two-minute drill as well. Samori Toure, 50-yard uh, rainbow touchdown. What were your impressions of Jordan Love? Yeah, look, uh, I, I think Jordan Love performed very well in the red zone. I will say every offensive unit probably had their best performances in red zone drills. That was yeah. just a red zone team drills. And that's not out of the ordinary. That's pretty usual for practice, like let alone you know unfamiliar opponents across from you in a joint practice, that's usually pretty familiar in practice altogether. But that that two-minute drill that he led at the end of it, which was the only, by the way, only offensive score in any of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine um different two-minute drills that we saw over the course of the two days. Right. Mm. We saw Jordan Love do two. We saw Roger, we saw Rogers, Dalton, Love, and Book each lead two. Uh, one on each day. And then Danny Etling got like kind of one. I'm not really sure what was going on with that. <laughs> it was like everybody huddled up. It felt like the end of practice and all of a sudden they were like, I'll let Danny get a shot. And then he was out there and then the clock actually read like five minutes instead. I don't know. It was weird. But anyway, so outside of that, like that was the only touchdown in terms of offense, you know, any of the offensive drives are in that. So I thought that you know, he was resilient. I thought that he was somebody that responded very well, which is hard to find in a young quarterback. I mean, you look at Ian book. One of the things that he struggled with is that he doesn't have the rebound. He has to build momentum. And so if he starts off with a good day, then he has a good day at practice. But if he starts off with a rocky day, he usually finishes with a rocky day, right? You know, if he goes out there and throws two interceptions to start practice, then he's not going to rebound. Right. But when you look at guys like Aaron Rodgers and Jameis Winston, who has a lot of experience now, of course, Andy Dalton, who has a ton of experience over 160 plus games started, those guys have the ability to rebound. Jordan Love is already showing that. And I mean, if you need, if you're going to have a short memory at any position outside of maybe cornerback, quarterback is probably the most important place to have it. And so I was impressed with what Jordan Love was able to do. There were a couple of times where he held the ball a little long, which maybe just comes with either the, you know, this is where you're kind of fine tuning. Okay. How fast does that receiver run? How far do I have to put it out ahead of them? Where is the, what is their catch radius? What is their catch box? Where do I have to place things? Some of that is just like the logistics getting in the way in terms of trying to calculate stuff as opposed to just, having the, the the chemistry, but I think that he was, I thought that he looked really good, particularly on Wednesday where he led that two minute drill or two minute drive uh, for that touchdown. And also no game planning. Matt LaFleur said they None. didn't really watch yeah. a Saints tape to get ready for this. And you're, you're talking about one of the best defenses in the league, even with the twos, it's a Dennis Allen defense. It's right. going to be confusing. It's going to be disciplined. And so, you know, I, I think that that's a, a really great point, really great insight. Yeah. Uh, which you always offer. That's why you're here. That's why we're having you on, Ross. Thank you so much, my friend. I got one we'll, question for you before oh, we get out of here. Let's do it. 
I got one question for you before we got here. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, at this point, knowing what you know, would you prefer those two receivers over Chris Olave, or would you take Chris Olave in place of those two receivers? Oh, we're talking about like if I could if if the if Mickey Loomis called Brian Gudikins tomorrow and said, Here, here's Chris Olave straight up for Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Yep. I, I'll take the two. You'll take the two. I love yeah. it. I think it's a wise I, choice. I think it's a wise choice. I think for no if for no other reason, then I'm getting more chances to hit. Mm-hmm. Like I think Chris Olave is awesome. I think he's clearly better than those two other guys as a prospect, but I, I think they're the other two guys are really talented. And I, I think the gap between the likeliness that any one receiver in the top like hundred hits is like kind of small. So I think just two shots is better than one. Plus, I don't think the gap between Olave and Watson in terms of pure talent is that big. It's not astronomical. No. So, and, and, you know, we, you, we didn't get to see, you didn't get to see a ton of Christian Watson. We have not gotten to see much of Christian Watson um, in, in training camp, but that, that's a, it's an interesting question. And it's kind of one the Packers got to answer, right? Because they yep. traded up for Watson instead of Olave, which the Saints mm-hmm. did. And the Packers still got a chance to get Dobbs later in the draft. I thought Dobbs, I was with you. I thought he was a top 100 player all day. Oh, man. And I, I can't believe the NFL let him fall. And so now they have to they have to they have to reap what they sowed and let Aaron Rodgers throw him the ball and he's gonna go to the Hall of Fame. So that's the situation. Uh Ross, thank you so much for coming on. Uh and uh, we'll 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 do this again soon. Absolutely, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks to Ross for joining the show. Love talking to that guy. Great guy. And uh knows 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 ball, loves the game, knows the game. And that was really fun for me to get his perspective from what he's seeing from a Saints perspective. I'm so glad that that worked out and he got to do that. Um, we talked longer off air about what he was seeing and, and what was going on there. And and by the way, he wanted to make sure because I he didn't get a chance to say it on air, but we talked about it off air and he wanted to make sure I said it. He loved being in Green Bay. Loved, loved, loved. So the people were so hospitable. The, the Packers, the local media were so hospitable. He got invited to a farmer's market. With some of the the TV people, shout out to those to those ladies who invited Ross to the farmers market. You love to see it. Get some veggies, some fruits, maybe some some artisanal jams. Ooh, I've got a triple berry that I got from the farmers market. That's really good. So uh, I wanted to make sure that that he got that plug in there for the people of Green Bay. Um, he loved it. He loved it. So good job by you. Before we finish up, an important message that I want to share with you. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. Maybe you've had a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Now you live nearby. You can make it home. It's not a big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone, everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. 
And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen today. Make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Football. Find the intellectual expert. I don't know why I can't say that one. Intellectual expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow, a summer Friday conversation. And then it's Packers, Saints, ready to go preseason game number two. Jordan Love gets to start. We'll see if the Packers starters play at all in the third preseason game. This might have been it, the joint practices. But but Matt LaFleur has been cagey about it. And I don't know why he would still be cagey about it if there wasn't actually a chance that they play in the third preseason game. So something to, something to keep an eye on. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.